1: Hello, welcome to Football Social Daily, the only
3: daily Premier League podcast you can find. So if you're new, hit subscribe. And every time we release a new episode... It'll land straight on your device, however you listen to your podcasts. It was a roller coaster weekend in the Premier League. Of course, the highlight, the main event, top of the bill, Liverpool versus Manchester City. And it got a bit feisty on the pitch and that's continued off of it because Raheem Sterling and Joe Gomez supposedly have been involved in a little bit of handbags, which has resulted in Raheem Sterling being left out of England's squad for the upcoming Euro 2020 qualifiers. Also, things are deepening at Arsenal in terms of the problems they've got behind the scenes. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang has taken to everyone's favourite tool, social media, to share his opinions on the situation, labelling some of the things that are going on behind the scenes as... He said it, not me. Bullshit is what he described it as. Uh, We'll also be talking about a potential swap deal involving Harry Wilson and Ryan Fraser between Bournemouth and Liverpool. And all of those things we'll be doing in the company of Marley Anderson. Hello, Marley. Hello. And Jim Salverson. Hello, Jim. Hello. Right, let's get straight into it. We knew it was going to be a tough game for both sides, Manchester City and Liverpool at the weekend in what is probably the biggest game of the title race so far. And I don't think there's any arguments about that. We saw Joe Gomez and Raheem Sterling get a little bit feisty during the game for about 10 or 15 seconds, but we weren't expecting it to carry on into England duty, Jim. But I suppose when emotions are running so high and the gap in time between the end of that Liverpool game and the start of the England training camp, it was not inevitable, but certainly you'd think that there would still be a score to settle there. I think there's good stuff and bad stuff to debate about
0: this particular incident. Firstly, I quite like the fact that Gomez and Sterling have squared up in the England camp. I like the fact that they care enough to carry a little bit of that aggro through from the game because footballers nowadays, they seem detached from the fan base, don't they? It seems like they're there on a very professional basis. They're not that involved or don't care that much about the results or the games. But here you have seen two players that really do care about the result and are in this title race up to their elbows. What I don't like about it is, firstly, I think the... FA kind of cocked up, or the Premier League kind of cocked up by putting a big game like that straight ahead of an international break, ahead of an England game where tensions could be running high, and you're throwing these players together in the international setup. It's potentially asking for trouble. Secondly, I think it's been handled pretty badly by Gareth Southgate in general. I th- I don't, I don't kind of get what he's trying to achieve by saying to Sterling you're not going to play in the game against Montenegro but you're not going home either it kind of seems like either it's really serious and you send him home or it's not serious it's just handbags and then you don't even publicly deal with it you
2: deal with it internally and you move on it's one or the other Sterling's one that's been punished because Sterling started it yeah from from what from what uh, has been reported, It's uh, it was Joe Gomez was in the canteen and Sterling <laughs> came in. He was like, you think you're the big man
3: now? Nicked his potatoes off his plate. Yeah, Got <laughs> him in a headlock. It's proper well, school, it's I mean, school ground. It. So just, have a, they're
2: going to have a fight after school on there. I want to see Thursday.
0: photos. You know when you get those videos that people take of bullies at
3: school? Yeah. I want to see a video of Raheem Sterling <laughs> getting Joe Gomez in a headlock. <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's a hell of a of a a feet. spectacular. Feet. Yeah. Oh, you've seen them two squaring up in the Liverpool Man City game and Sterling was like looking up go, yeah. Gomez, there's a notable size difference there. Fair enough. He's got some stones on him, hasn't he? So, but, uh, do you know what I mean? No, no, I then... like
0: the element of the passion. I, I think that's really nice to see players that genuinely care about what's yeah. happened on the pitch. And it didn't seem like much on the pitch at the time, and it's carried on to England camp. And I don't mind it. And I think training ground bust-ups happen all the time. And sometimes yeah. you hear about them, sometimes you don't hear about them. I remember an incident with West Ham, probably in the late 90s, where... John Hartson kicked Eyal Berkovic in the head during a training ground bus stop. And they played the next weekend together. (laughs) So I don't understand why Southgate's gone. Yeah, you're not playing in this game. And it's kind of a little bit of cutting your nose off to spite your face because Raheem Sterling is the best player for England at the moment. He's potentially one of the best players in the world. Yeah. right now so why would you lose your best player for what is a really important game for England well that yeah, it's,
2: a, it's a pointless game though because we are going to win it's at Wembley it's but we haven't yet yeah. yeah. we haven't but qualified it's to yet run. we yeah. only need to admit yeah. a point for the results go our way or whatever it is in a win So, you but would it. you
0: put it past England to cock it up somehow and not get those points yeah I, I wouldn't I would
2: <laughs> <laughs> this whole situation would have happened if it wasn't with a Liverpool player in England training for example if it had been uh, if the like still a run running with say Tyrone Mings or someone like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Take mm. Mings and it was Bournemouth and City on the Saturday and they'd had an actual physical scrap. I don't think it would have carried over because I think the whole thing is just is his ex Liverpool ties yeah. and this newfound rivalry between City and Liverpool, which has only been going for two years or mm-hmm. whatever it is now, and then is just it is very pressurized because everyone knows that like one defeat. It's pretty much all you need now for the other team. Uh, Liverpool have got a nine point lead on on Man City now. So, but I'm sure these rivalries have existed before in the England
0: camp. When you think of the big team rivalries, Manchester United, yeah, and Arsenal, Chelsea, and Arsenal back in the day, and these players would have been coming together. Liverpool and Chelsea to a certain extent. With, mm. I mean, I think Lampard and Gerrard famously didn't get on particularly well in the England camp, and so these clashes would have happened at some point. Yeah. but I don't understand why Southgate's taken the decision to bring this out. And you know, no one would have known about it. I think uh, it was the
3: Daily Mail that initially reported it well, as a training ground bust-up. But it, it must have been it must have been out there somewhere for for that to be picked it, up. Well, and this, I do think it's been handled particularly poorly by England.
2: I th- this is this is what's getting getting on my nerves. Like why everyone's saying you know it came out and everyone's saying no, it's been handled badly by Southgate. Like it would have come out anyway it makes more it makes more sense to just get it out and say look this has happened but
0: do you not this, think this is ha- the punishment do you not think that the punishment he's chosen seems to
3: a little to send Raheem bit away weird. i agree jim because training ground scraps happen all the time you say about you know hartson and Berkovich, for example people fight at the training ground all the time it's difficult to keep 25 Athletes that are highly charged, really competitive, all on level-headed terms, and all pally-pally with each other. It's going to be fine, but
2: it's not that big at a club. For example, it happens at clubs all the time. It's not that big at a club because they're with each other. You know, however many hours a week, they they're from all different places and backgrounds and what have you. And they they, from time to time they aren't going to like each other. But when you come together with England, it is a story because it's England. Mm. So. If anyone's saying, oh, you could have kept this a secret, you're talking out your ass. Well, not even Because this it a wouldn't have stayed a secret at all.
0: Not necessarily keeping it a secret, but I think there's, there's kind of like, there's two situations here. One, they've had a great training ground bust up. It's disrupted the harmony and there is disruptive influence between the two players. Mm. In which case, you send Raheem Sterling home. You go, right, Why you're not involved. What with does this that camp.
2: solve though? What does sending him home
1: solve?
0: This is what it I'm, doesn't is, it doesn't solve anything This, to this send him my home. Point, it removes yeah. him from a potentially toxic atmosphere. Yeah, or but it's not that serious and you go slap on the wrist, crack on. But what he's doing here it's kind of like the kind of punishment you'd give a 6-year-old. <laughs> oh, you're not playing properly, so you have to sit out this game. Yeah. It just seems like it's it's neither one or
2: the other mm. if you get what I mean. It's kind of somewhere in between. But my, like if you send him home, for example, the next time he comes in at the squad, it's still gonna be it's gonna be twice as more awkward because everyone's gonna be like, think... "Oh shit, what, what happens when Sterling goes in for fifty-fifty with Gomez?" Everyone's eyes are gonna be on it. Well, I how that doesn't him... happen during the game. Exactly. <laughs> if you keep him round the squad, it's like he's got to he's got to get over it, and he knows mm. that. His punishment is he's not going to play, so he can't rest on that laurels of, well, I'm the best player, so I'm obviously going to play. Because everyone knows he's England's best player, mm. probably. Him, him and yeah. Harry Kane are undroppable. Yeah, and well, so,
3: R- Raheem Sterling in the City-Liverpool game was, I thought, City's biggest threat in that yeah. game. He, he, he was... Getting That's the amazing. better of Trent Alexander he had Arnold, had Trent on toast. He absolutely did, and, and everybody they would. were trying their best Liverpool to really rattle Sterling and wind him up. And I yeah. think he didn't get the rub of the green with the referees' decisions as well. And I think just the boiling point was getting closer and closer and closer for Sterling. And yeah. then eventually Gomez comes on as a sub, comes over, and it just tips Sterling over the edge. Yeah. I think uh, Trent he nearly, Alexander he Arnold, off with Trent, yeah, he did, I he pushed think, him. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I think Trent Alexander Arnold was trying to sort of so to speak, for a large part of that game. Does that just show how much of an influence Raheem Sterling has now in terms of how much of a quality player he's become? Because you couldn't have imagined even two years ago that they would have tried this wind-up tactic to Raheem Sterling.
0: Oh, completely. He's become a superb player for Manchester City and for England. And that's what you do to the best players, isn't it? If -hmm. you can't beat them on the pitch, if you can't beat them with your ability you try and get an edge some other way, whether it's psychological or whether it's leaving one on them or whatever it is. It's all about that gamesmanship that yeah. gives you that one-upmanship. And you see it with Lionel Messi all the time, don't you? When mm-hmm. he steps onto the pitch, get people kicked. try and take lumps yeah, out of yeah, yeah, him yeah. because it disrupts him. It's the only way you can beat him. And to put Raheem Sterling in that category and to deal with him in the same way, it's a huge credit to Sterling as a player. Yeah, it's
2: like Messi, Messi gets kicked every week if if you're quick enough to kick him people will <laughs> kick him like it's the same Eden Hazard was probably the most fouled guy in the Premier mm, League and I think he, he was he had, the, he had the longest temper I've ever seen because when he goes away from you like fullbacks or defensive midfielders are just think like, right sod this and just bang just mm. take him out and he hit the deck cynical challenge like someone with a short temper would get up and square off and what have you and get booked but he was he was like so calm under the under the circumstances, and that's happening to to Sterling now, and he has to develop this way of of dealing with it because he is marked, as in not physically marked on the pitch, but he's, he's a marked card. He's yeah. the uh he's like people are, are testing him and trying to get under his skin, and now mm. as well, now they know this. It's going to be even worse for him in in, yeah. in coming weeks. You're going to see, I don't know, City got Chelsea next. I think I think. Um, If Rhys James plays there, he's probably going to be looking at Gomez, thinking if I get a bit physical with Sterling, will he kick off with me? Frank Lampard might be saying, if he kicks off with you, don't react, get him booked or get him sent off. Yeah, wind him up. He's still he's still in a bad place. He's still gonna he's still gonna be a little bit um, emotional and what have you. So Mm. he's gonna have to really watch it now. And he's got he's he's been so mature in this last six months to a year and developed so much as a person and like a genuine role model. He was nearly England captain. And you, well, he has captained England in uh, in sort of recent games, and he's uh, he's now got another hurdle to sort of overcome
0: now—a um,
3: chink in the Raheem Sterling armor, perhaps. We
0: all know how bad we are at this podcast at predicting match results, so let me <laughs> make a scenario prediction instead. England will go on to beat Montenegro comfortably, as you say, yeah. Mali, and this thing will blow over yeah. straight away. It doesn't feel like it's a massive deal. It's international break. It's back page fodder. It seems like. A lot of nothing, calling him big man, getting him in a headlock. Who really cares? It will blow over. He It'll probably d- he
3: probably just uh, ruffle his head. Ruffle yeah, his head was. He had him <laughs> in the headlock. It's it could the... be.
2: It could be like the the YouTube thing, couldn't it? You know, two. Two YouTubes out of scrapping, twenty million people <laughs> yes. watching it. Get or Gomez. So let's have Sterling and, and
0: Gomez at halftime entertainment, a, a, a ten stone
3: catchweight or something like more that. interesting than the football game. <laughs> uh, the road, we yeah. can have Roy Keane as the referee because he's the sort of guy that would love this sort of story. He doesn't like when they're all friendly after games, does he? So a bit of scrapping <laughs> in the England camp would go down well uh, in Roy Keane's books, I'm sure. Right, time for a quick break now here on Football Social Daily. But afterwards, we'll be talking about more problems behind the scenes at Arsenal. This time involving new captain Pierre Emerick. Albanyang, and also we'll be talking about a potential swap deal between Bournemouth and Liverpool, so don't go anywhere.
1: Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Football Social Daily Premier League updates.
3: Welcome back to Football Social Daily. This is the only daily Premier League podcast you can find, so hit subscribe and never miss another episode. My name's Niall. I've got Jim and Marley alongside me in the studio. We've just been talking about the Gomez and Sterling bust-up, and now we're going to move on because we want to talk about another, not quite a bust-up, but certainly an issue behind-the-scenes At Arsenal Football Club, there's been a lot of talk and we've spoken about it on this podcast about the captain situation, about the Unai Emery situation, about the leadership behind the scenes at Arsenal Football Club. Now, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, who's been installed as captain to replace Xhaka, who had his captaincy stripped after his altercation with the fans, has come out on social media and hit back at those people that have said that the relationship between the fans, the players and Unai Emery is disjointed, it's broken. Certainly it looks like that from the outside. He's posted an Instagram story that says this I just arrived in Gabon for international duty and heard a lot of bullshit. I talk with who I want whenever I want and if somebody's not happy with it you already know and then the middle finger emoji. So the context behind this is that Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang is friendly with some of the guys at Arsenal Fan TV And Why? How the has the that happened? happened? I don't know how that's happened. poison that a- is But it's called AFTV now because Arsenal, the club, have obviously tried to distance themselves from the fan channel that was formerly known as Arsenal Fan TV. Mm. And therefore, I don't think those you at the top table at Arsenal Football Club are quite happy with uh, Bamiyang inviting those members from AFTV into a corporate box at the Emirates to watch games. And they've basically asked him not to sever his friendship, but to certainly talk to these AFTV guys less. And I think that that's what's got Aubameyang's back up here, saying that I can talk talk to who I want. I don't know, but he's said here on his Instagram story, I will talk with who I want whenever I want. And this is the captain you're talking about here. This is an act of defiance. It just seems that everything is so disjointed at Arsenal right now. And we've spoken about it at length. But if this is Aubameyang... I mean, how do you deal with it? Because he's Arsenal's best player. I think it's really... I he's mean, been
2: captain for like a week. Yeah. And he's already through it. He's already knack- knacked it up, hasn't he?
3: And I,
0: I kind of think, from a club point of view, is what Aubameyang's doing worse than what Xhaka did?
2: In well, terms yeah. of his I mean, cup of the year and telling the fans that. to do what? Because like. he's going against the board. Yeah, or Aubameyang, it's come from... like. This whole story is came from David Ornstein at the Athletic, who is like he's yeah, Mr. He arsenal. never gets
3: anything wrong, especially on Arsenal.
2: Yeah, and so that is it is fact that they've that the the, the squad are unhappy that uh, he talks to this idiot with a flipping snapback cap and two blad. kids and <laughs> blood blad, blad, fan blah blood clot sounds like a right arsenal, Honestly, <laughs> honest to God, he does me head in. Um, but you, you know why? it's been over it's been going on for what three four years now this this youtube channel and it's nothing it's nothing but toxic mm. it's horrific everyone every time Arsenal loses it like, oh let's go and watch all the them have a meltdown on on social media and, and this, youtube this and isn't
0: anything to do this isn't anything to do with arsenal fan TV, because 'cause they're free to do what they want and every single fan base has that pocket of fans whether they have a YouTube channel or whether they don't have a YouTube channel they're everywhere I mean there's fan channels everywhere Arsenal Fan TV is probably the the worst offender and I use those words carefully because they do what they do and they do it extremely well and they get the results that they want to get the problem's with Aubameyang surely and he says he can talk to who he wants no you can't mate you're paid a significant amount of money by a football club, and with that paycheck becomes a certain code responsibility, of responsibility, you're sure. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you, you, you need d- to be a role model. It's part of the deal, isn't it? It's like, yeah, you're a role model. You don't say certain things. You don't do certain
1: things. You don't like, go out on the. You
0: can skydive, for example, I imagine, is in his contract. insurance policy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And one of those things should be you conduct yourself in a certain way. And it's that's the same as You um, shouldn't be talking to Arsenal fan TV. It's the same yeah. as
3: you shouldn't be going out you know, on the booze every night yeah. as a professional footballer. You know, you've mm. got a responsibility to do that. But the plot thickens, Jim, because he's also liked some of AFTV's Instagram posts, including one which called for Emery to be sacked. And apparently that really didn't impress his teammates. <laughs> and as Marley said, he's been captain for five minutes mm. and he's already starting to show signs of, well, not captaincy, really, not, not leadership skills. Yeah. Um, it it's happened, it's happened quite a lot. Um,
2: and with... The thing is with likes and stuff, you can easily just say, oh, my, my thumb slipped, I didn't know, I didn't know whether to, where, I, I didn't mean it and that kind of thing. And Dog ate the homework sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, it's very easy to get out of that. But yeah. when, you, when you post on... Like Wayne Rooney when he liked that adult
0: Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> just an accident, just thumb slip. Yeah. Rio Slippy route Hi Rio, just... do you want picking up in the morning, pal? Yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> um yeah, but when when you post something on your story and it's still there, by the way, I think it's up for another nine hours because I think so far it's been up for fifteen hours and he's not took it down. It's on his story on Instagram, um, and it's still there, and he's clearly like sticking by his guns, and it's just not the, it's just not the right decision. Just end it. Like he's he's friends with a guy who's like he's claiming he's friends with him, but like. I don't get it. He's just he's just like a fan who's trying to make money and get views off being Obama Yang's friend. Mm. He's not an actual friend. Well,
0: he might be. We 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 can't cast judgment on that friendship and how that works, but it does seem like a weird <sighs> It's a one-way relationship. relationship.
2: To have. Would they be mates if either of them didn't do what
0: they did? No. Mm. Probably not, no. The thing is, I think this whole scenario it casts more questions over the state of Arsenal Football Club, doesn't it? And I've heard rumors about Obama Yang's yeah temperament and his ego before and I think since he's been in England we've not seen a massive amount of evidence of that certainly to my recollection Mm. but I think we're seeing a little bit of that here and it kind of reflects badly on Emery because Mm. part of a football manager's job now as well as managing the team you've got to be a babysitter yeah and if you're failing to control the egos within that team to the extent that they're liking posts about you getting the sack then you're not doing your job properly. Well, what was and interesting... There's elements of the dressing room turning against you as well. Is
3: Hector Bellerin in, a, in an Arsenal press conference the other day actually started speaking by saying, first of all, good evening. Yeah. Which was almost like it was either... Good evening or good evening. Well, he didn't say good evening, <laughs> which a V in Spanish, in all fairness to Emery, a V in Spanish is a B yeah. in, in how you pronounce it, which is where the good evening comes from. But Hector Bellerin actually started his conference by saying, good evening, everyone. Yeah. And it was almost like the journos in the room were kind of trying not to laugh about the situation. Yeah. And it just goes to show how It's like the naughty school child, yeah. isn't it? Mm-hmm. Taking the
2: mick out of how the teacher speaks. Yeah, it's 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 all a bit of a mess. The thing like with that as well, like the the weak the thing about Emery is he seems weak. Mm-hmm. And this everything that's happened in the last six weeks suggests that is absolutely true. And you know people are saying like should emery get the sack and stuff like that and it's like it doesn't really matter how things are going on the pitch because if your club is it's it's a full blown crisis this like it's genuinely it's so toxic it might not look like it from the outside in terms of oh yeah, it's just an instagram post or whatever but once you lose respect of the guys you're trying to manage you've got no chance yeah absolutely no chance so to to come back from this I think there's only one way out and that's to, to, get rid of, um, to get rid of Emery and start again with a disciplinarian, someone who's actually going to bring the respect back. And I feel a bit sorry for Emery as well because he's came to, he's came to England, he's learned, he's learned the language, he does, the, he does everything sort of right, he's not doing that badly as a manager and he's got a squad there just taking the piss out of him mm. yeah and i'd be i'd be fuming if i was him and he i'd came be kicking a... lumps out of guys on the trip it'd be like Sterling and gomez i'd, be, <laughs> I'd have every bugger in a headlock on arsenal's colney training pitch or whatever he came with it is.
0: a good reputation as well didn't he he came with this idea yeah. that he was going to revolutionize the way arsenal played and he was this man it was a, for the it was a fresh start wasn't it yeah exactly new, new ideas it's just not really man. happened and, and oh. maybe that's begun with losing people like Jacker. When you've got, because you need that support within the playing squad, don't you? You need those influential players to back you up as a manager. And once you start losing them, that's when it's. It's just all
3: a crazy paradox. Xhaka gets in an altercation with the fans. The fans hit back at Xhaka. Captaincy stripped away. Aubameyang's talking to a fan channel. Mm. I think the relationship between the fans and a football club should be good, but maybe not as close as it is you right now. And that's probably where it between
0: is. Arsenal now and Chelsea under Mourinho when that fell to bits when mm. he started to lose the likes of Lampard and the dressing room well, and the fan and the player power kind of took over he sacked
3: mm-hmm. the doctor didn't he in his second time around yeah. Jose Mourinho and it went, went downhill from there yeah they loved her didn't they the players absolutely loved her and then he sacked her and then that just that, that went to pop from there. Anyway, we'll leave that there, the Aubameyang-Arsenal situation. Let's move on to a potential transfer, which could happen in January, although reports now suggesting that maybe that might have stalled a little bit. It came out yesterday that Ryan Fraser, or Wee Man, as they call him at Bournemouth, could be involved in a swap deal from Bournemouth to Liverpool with Harry Wilson going the other way. Of course, Harry Wilson currently on loan from the Reds at Dean Court, and Eddie Howe is certainly making use of him. Wilson is a good young player but will he ever get into Liverpool's first team? I suppose that's the question that many people are asking Marley to be honest with you and a swap deal with Fraser it doesn't mm. sound like the most unlikely thing we've ever heard in terms of transfer rumours.
2: No it, it makes sense doesn't it? It it seems to make sense for for Bournemouth because I think Fraser's got 6 months left on his deal so mm. he's either going to go for free in um in the summer or he's going to go for a a nominal fee now 10 so, to
3: 15 million I think it's being reported. Yeah
2: so why not Say, hang on, we've got a player on loan here who's probably like if Harry Wilson was to leave, he'd probably they'd probably want twenty million for him. I think twenty million was the was the price rumored in the summer because Newcastle will link with him as well, but we were sort of priced out by by that price. Um, so you know it makes sense for Bournemouth to try and get a replacement who they've already got, kind of thing, mm. and just secure him permanently. And he's doing but, well for Bournemouth
0: as well. Yeah, he's it's he's got goals, in four goals, games.
2: yeah, four goals. Got a goal at the weekend. Um, great free kicks. I think he won goal of the month in August for that absolute peach uh, he scored, and yeah, I'm not so sure about Fraser going the other way because the way I look at it is that front three. If you go to Liverpool and they've got that front three, you're not you you have to be happy with being a squad player, mm. and players like Jordan he doesn't even get too many games, and he's uh, he's not he's he's as good as Fraser. I don't think there's much between them. Um, and he doesn't get many games. And Divock Origi comes off the bench twenty minutes to go, and he plays in as a striker. You know, so and Firmino's sort of a one that you can replace as, as in striker for striker. If you're gonna go and compete with Mane and Salah for a position, unless they see him as a battle. potential
0: replacement. I mean, there's a lot of rumors about Salah eventually leaving the club, maybe next summer. If they could, I mean, whether...
2: Yeah, but why would you, why would you replace Salah with Ryan yeah, Fraser? You I, know I what I mean? Would
0: Liverpool fans be happy with that scenario? Exactly. Probably not. I think for Bournemouth, you're right, it looks like a pretty decent deal at the moment. If you can get equivalent of 15 million quid, 20 million quid for a player now, why not? Yeah. They're probably regretting now not letting him go maybe in the summer when he was being linked with 35 million pound moves to other clubs. And I yeah. think he got more
3: assists last season than any other player well, apart I was, from Eden Hazard. I was just about to come on to that. Is there a thinking from Jurgen Klopp that if he does bring Ryan Fraser in, he can convert him into a fullback? Because we've spoken about if Liverpool lose Robertson or Trent Alexander-Arnold, there might be a difficulty there in replacing th- the way that they both play. With Fraser, 14 assists last season, and actually he's level in terms of assists with Robertson does and he have defensive Trent, Trent Alexander-Arnold Alex- Alexander- Alexander- doesn't. Robertson's not that great at Alexander Arnold's not one of the worst fullback defense fullbacks defensively in the Premier League. But
0: it's very different between being a bad fullback and being a fairly oh, offensive well. midfielder.
2: Yeah. I think there's a uh, a good reason why he would never be a fullback, and that's the fact that he's five foot four. Ryan Fraser, fullbacks have never traditionally been tall though. They're they're five foot eight minimum. Like <laughs> honestly, I don't if think... you if you if you had a full a full back at five foot four, you just put every cross to the back post. Sterling could drum Fraser. I can kinda of see like, point of you view. You don't even need and then you take into account a clever centre forward. If you've got Andy Carroll in your team He's gonna be like, Andy. Go and stand near that little <laughs> little fella over there. Yeah, and then he's just gonna be like, "Yeah, all right, pal, you're gonna get out jumped here." And then that's it. Like, it's it leaves you so open. I don't know where. But Andy where Carroll
3: where this would uh, Andy Carroll would rupture his knee ligaments by the time he ran over. If yeah. so Bournemouth that's were in true, a
0: defensive yeah. crisis and they needed a fallback, then yeah, you could potentially see Fraser having to fill in. I'm just that so, but what role. I'm trying to say but here is that the same
3: amount of assists as Sterling uh, as Alexander Arnold and Robertson over the last two seasons. So everyone's saying about how good these two are. Marcus
0: Rashford scored more
3: goals than
0: probably most of Bournemouth centre-backs, but they wouldn't buy him
3: and play him at centre-back because he can that's, chip that's that's a goal. <laughs> Bollocks, though. <laughs> no, it's exactly what you're <laughs> it's saying. It's not exactly what I'm saying at all.
0: Liverpool are in a position where they need to try and bring in players and crowbar them into other positions. If they were looking for players to replace robertson or alexander arnold then they'd go out and buy so actually what, what you're
3: both saying is what's the point then you're saying that well he's never going to get a game so what's the point point? and you're saying well he can't adapt so what's the point so he may as well stay at bournemouth then i what, think that's what's, the, what's what's the point of them signing fraser what's their what's their motive squad player for what yeah completely. Well, I, that's
0: liverpool's motive for I fraser think, it's a question as to whether he's happy as you say marley yeah to play first team football or whether he's happy to be that squad player Behind those three, I, probably yeah. behind Shaqiri as well.
2: I think this move, if it's true that this is like what everyone's planning, I think this move has come from Bournemouth to Liverpool. As in, we want Harry Wilson, do you want Fraser? Mm. I very, very much doubt Liverpool have gone to Bournemouth and said, we really like Ryan Fraser because he can fit into our team. Like, he's, he's older than Wilson, he's about as the similar... In terms of ability, Wilson's probably playing slightly better this season.
0: Fraser's not had a brilliant season so far no, this year. No, he's not. Exactly. Certainly not captured the form he had last
2: season. Exactly. And, and Fraser has been—he's uh, he's in the team now, but I think he started the season. He was—he was on the bench and stuff, and they were giving chances to to other players. That like Dan Juma—they've mm. uh, got on the wing. They've just signed him from a uh, Belgian side. I can't remember which one, um, but they've brought him back into the team at the weekend. He came off the bench against Newcastle. Um, and Fraser is the, the basically preparing for life without Fraser. So I, do, I, I just though. do think it's came from Bournemouth and they're the, the testing the look a little bit. In reality,
0: it's probably Bournemouth and Fraser's agent waving a little flag to clubs outside of Liverpool and going, here's a player that might be available in January. Liverpool are interested, mm. so he must be decent. And Man United that, should be interested. That could engineer a move, yeah. He'd be a good fit for
2: Manchester United. Yeah, he would.
3: Anyone who's half decent would be a good fit for Manchester United <laughs> yeah. this moment. Imagine entire.
2: Daniel James and Ryan Fraser. The fullbacks would be absolutely gassed by about 20 minutes trying yeah. to chase them two around.
3: Just a final couple of bits and pieces from the gossip columns today Edinson Cavani from PSG and Thiago Silva, both out of contract in the summer. Uh, apparently, PSG are not keen on offering them new deals due to their age. Could we see them <sighs> coming into the Premier League? And also, uh, Eric Tenagdi. Ajax manager is set to leave Ajax this summer, which is being reported in the Dutch press. Bayern Munich, there's a vacancy there, but I mean, imagine uh, how good it would be to see him in the Premier League. So three names there, Cavani, Thiago Silva and Ten Two players, one manager. Could we see possibilities of them pitching up in England soon? I, see, I seen
2: something yesterday that said um, Bayern are happy to sit with their interim manager till the end of the season just to see who becomes available. Because yeah. essentially they're waiting for... People like Pochettino, possibly Mourinho uh, and then Ten Hag as well because Ten Hag was Bayern's Bayern 2, like Bayern reserves. Mm. He was their manager for two years. Um, so he's got that link with, with, with Bayern already. So I think they, they're sort of sitting around waiting for him. They're going to sit on the hands a bit and, and see how this season goes. I mean, they beat Dortmund 4-0 with an interim coach at the weekend. So um, things aren't that mm-hmm. bad. And there's no pressure on them, so why why not why not sit and wait for Ten Hag or wait for Pochettino? Because, for example, if they get Pochettino, then Ten Hag, Spurs would be looking at Ten Hag like, right, wow, well, that's that's a, a tapping. that's an open goal, why not take him? And the benefit you get with bringing in him as a manager
0: as well, is you'd like to think he could probably cherry-pick some of the best talent from that Ajax team as well. There you go. And bring them in with I can them. Bet you a can, really exciting. I can Ajax bet you team.
2: any money there's five, five or six, 17, 18-year-olds that we've not even heard of that yeah. are at Ajax now and they're flipping brilliant players mm. they've just not got a chance because they've not come off the conveyor belt yet. And so imagine those guys coming to the, the Premier League. it and and feels then, like a good fit for Spurs, actually, doesn't he? it feels like a better fit than anyone else. We, yeah. ask, we ask if Pochettino left, who's out there? I think he answers every question to be fair
0: it feels like the kind of manager that fits with Spurs ethos yeah of bringing in that young talent of playing a certain type of football but as for the Cavani and Thiago Silva thing yeah that just feels like players who probably would
2: someone would take a chance on them in the Premier League and it Cavani's would, lethal and they do you think he'd still, still be able to do it even yeah he's... Cavani definitely I'm not so sure about Thiago Silva in terms of like the pace and stuff. I think he's 34, 35 now. Yeah, he's getting on. So... I wonder how that
0: spell in the French League affects those players as well. I think it's very difficult to judge Ibrahimovic, players, did, Ibrahimovic
3: did And he was well. late on in his career as well. Cavani's 32. By the time the summer comes around, he'll be 33.
0: What kind of club could you see him going into, though? Would it be a Manchester United?
3: Well, who plays a traditional number nine now? But Cavani can play in a front three as well. But he's he's a, he's a quite a sort of a a physical figure Cavani mm. um, so yeah I don't know would be my answer to that he get, get in the Newcastle team put it that way <laughs> <laughs> I think he'd go back I think it, he'll go back
2: to Italy it though. would be a wages thing wouldn't it yeah he'd be on he'd be on 150
0: so it'd have to be one of the big clubs maybe. yeah it would probably make more sense that you'd see him going to do you know Italy what West Ham would
2: break the break the bank for him and he'd do his knee in like the yep. second game <laughs> so was like, like, exactly <laughs> on a one year contract happen. with the two million signing if on gold, he'd still be better than Roberto
3: <laughs> <laughs> and on that note we'll finish today's football social daily thanks very much Jim so, thank you very much Marley no I've been Niall thanks for listening to the show don't forget to subscribe so you never miss another episode and if you've got a smart speaker just ask your device to open sports social and play you news for whatever Premier League team you support and it will take you straight to a 60 second update with the latest news around your club it's great we've also got match reports for every Premier League game as well so go and check that out but don't forget to follow us on Twitter also at the Sports Social and we'll speak to you tomorrow
1: Football Social Daily Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode Step into the world of power Loyalty